Hi, welcome back to the CIO Show. I'm David Binning, Associate Editor of CIO. Now, it's an assumption that has been allowed to grow unchecked for some time. However, the jury is officially still out on whether public cloud infrastructure is actually cheaper than running on-premises data centres and on-premises infrastructure. Coming up in this episode, we'll hear from two very experienced, albeit still quite young, CIOs in two industries that have been arguably the most impacted by digital disruption. We'll also talk to one of Gartner's leading experts on the economics of the cloud. Well, joining us now on the CIO Show is Chief Information and Technology Officer with Nine, Damien Cronin. Damien, welcome to the show. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. Good to be on. And welcome. In your view, what are some of the biggest myths and misconceptions about the costs of cloud computing? Right. Big question, um, I know. <laughs> Yeah, let's get straight to the, the meat and potatoes. Uh, look, the, the the biggest myths and misconceptions are probably that there is any single one answer. I, I think this, this space is, is, is pretty complex. There's lots of factors, both hard and soft, that how one might think about cost, even the topic of cost, you know, is, is in itself got a whole bunch of tangible and intangible factors attached to it. So, you know, for, for us, uh, you know, certainly the way I think about it, it's, it's, it's it's partly horses to courses. Like, what is it? What you know? What are we trying to do with the cloud? What are we trying to achieve as an organisation? What type of workloads would we be running? Sure. How sophisticated is our cloud awareness? Yeah. You know, what are our existing investments in terms of you know traditional colo or on-site infrastructure? Mm. Um, and, and only on that basis can you ever sort of establish uh, you know calibrated view that that that's pretty much in context of the organization you're running. Um, you know, people that come out and say, well, private cloud's the way to go or public cloud, why would you do anything different? Yep. I, I think is missing that bigger picture. And sure, like how many of us get to do genuinely greenfields, mm. uh, you know, landscape type work? We, we inherit, you know, inertia and, and prior investments and, and context, uh, operating context for a business. Yeah. And, and that has to naturally inform decision making about how we think about the cloud and where that sits in sort of an infrastructure strategy. So you think this kind of comparison between um, CapEx and OpEx, which has sort of been the headline for this sure. conversation for well over 10 years, is perhaps um, a little bit simplistic, if not redundant? Yeah, I... I I think it's incredibly simplistic. I mean, look, obviously, capex and opex treatment, accounting treatment around spend here is a factor, uh, and and inevitably a lot of public cloud, given the nature of it as a service, a more utility type cost, uh, is not as easily capitalizable. Um, but the way the way I think about it is, let's make sensible technology choices mm. um, first, because and then optimize for Costs and sort of the financial accounting treatment around it. Second, mm. I, I think if we put the cart before the horse on that, um, you know, you can end up in a world where you're, you're making choices because it makes sense on an accounting, accounting scale, yeah. and not necessarily because it's good technology practice. And I, you know, I'm not saying that you can't completely discount the accounting side of it. It is important and it needs to fit within the envelope and, and work at a sensible level there. Yeah. But inevitably, you know, it's square peg round hole if you're making good sort of OPEX or CAPEX choices, but, but maybe it doesn't make sense at a technology strategy level. So I, I think, yes, to me, that's a lagging factor to optimize around. But first thing first is what, what is good, sensible technology engineering, you know, strategy and infrastructure design mm. look like for, our, for the particular use cases. Sure. I mean, as you say, you know, organizations need to be wary of making 
technology decisions that are ultimately accounting decisions. But we could argue, and there's certainly a lot of evidence for this, that you know, this has been a primary sort of impetus for organisations um, moving to the cloud. And as we're just as we're sort of discovering increasingly, uh, anecdotally, and there's research backing this up as well, that organisations have made this move to the cloud, expecting that it's going to be um, cheaper. Sometimes expecting that it's going to be dramatically cheaper, and yeah. then and then perhaps um, encountering what we might call some sort of version of enterprise IT bill shock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and look, look, um, it's not like cloud is neither cheap nor expensive it comes down mm. to well like any utility you can use it wisely or you can use it poorly yeah and you can you can get a lot out of a public cloud setup that that's very computer efficient and uh yeah. and, and resource utilization is, is extremely healthy relative to you know large capex or, or on-prem or, or colo type investment mm. um you know there's, there's a lot of friction costs with on-premise infrastructure Um, just because, you know, you're doing capacity planning maybe for the next three to five year horizon. A lot of that will never be used potentially, may not be used, may be used at a quicker rate than you expect. Um, You know, know, certainly when you go to the public cloud setup, you know, there there are aspects where, you know, you can more dynamically adjust your capacity planning and also it gives you a level of agility. You can spin on a dime a little bit quicker to address needs as they arrive, mm. I, I mean, but obviously if you go and treat public cloud like you would treat a uh, traditional uh, server-managed environment yeah. um, 10 years ago, you're, you're going to be in for a bit of bill shock, right? Like if you have the dev test staging environment, load balancers, databases, mm. um, without sort of any cost optimization lens on the top of how you think about that infrastructure and, and using some of the elasticity aspects of public cloud, yeah, you, you're going to run a, a probably pretty tidy bill. Sure. Now, you've been, you know, involved in cloud technology for, for, for quite some time. I mean, you, you, you're kind of like in on the ground level. Tell me a little bit about what you've seen since the, you know, the early days of the cloud and where we're at now. My experience with public cloud came about in 2011 when um, I was actually CTO for 9MSN. Yeah. And uh, without mentioning names, <laughs> uh, there was a large telecommunications provider that was to deliver a hosting environment for us and, and yes. inevitably late over schedule, you know, incredible supply chain complexity, just yes. working out, you know, how that thing was going to come together. And and just out of sheer necessity, I actually turned to um, my senior engineer at the time and just gave him the corporate Amex and I said, why don't we, why don't we see what Amazon can offer? Yeah. And he came back all excited at the end of the day and said, look, I reckon we've got everything we need here. Yeah. And that, I know that doesn't sound revolutionary now, but like back then, like it was still seen very much as the purview of startups and, yeah. and sort of it wasn't necessarily more of a, a corporate or, or infrastructure, you know, serious infrastructure play. Yeah. But, you know, from there, it took a life of its own. And obviously the maturity of the products and the stack and, and the skill sets involved to manage that has mm. changed dramatically over 10 years. Sure. It's been a quite rewarding journey in general, particularly in the digital. Look, my, my domain is digital media and from broadcast radio through to, through to digital publishing. And it, it's an incredibly effective tool for us. In, yeah. in terms of being able to deploy from an agility standpoint, so we we use it we use it daily and regularly. And you you manage a very much a multi cloud environment. This is a term that's kind Correct. of kind of newish, and, and certainly back in the day when you signed up with Amazon, it 
might not have occurred to you that, you know, down the track that you'd be handing over Amexes to any number of different public cloud service providers, right? Yeah, correct. And and look, I, as much as some of the public cloud providers have overlapping offerings, they've also got quite distinct strengths. Mm. And so when people talk about multi-cloud, I guess, you know, it's a pretty loaded term. I, I think it's used to describe everything from, well, we're running sort of distinct workloads in different cloud providers through to we genuinely have deployable workload that will across multiple cloud providers, right? Yeah. What's really interesting for us is that, you know, there's a vendor lock-in aspect to clouds. You get bound to their APIs and their product sets and you're not particularly mobile in terms of moving some of those workloads. There's quite significant friction costs if you were to try and do that. But, you know, what we're really excited about and what we've heavily embraced in the last few years is technology developments like containerization and particularly Kubernetes for us um, which we see as a wonderful abstraction layer that helps us both get better utilization around our workloads, but also provides a, a more frictionless experience around how we deploy across different cloud providers over time. Sure. And I think we're seeing some early maturing products back in that space. And I think that's only going to get better over time. Mm. And, and look, you know, inevitably, I think, you know, what we've seen with cloud is abstraction layers coming in. We no longer need to be worrying too much about, you know, people swapping out failed disks inside the SAN cluster and we're more focused yeah. now upon you know, how we deploy and how we commission workloads. And I think over time, we're going to be less worried about the more infrastructure as a service components and we're going to see more industry-specific sort of path level and path level type solutions, which again, just means more engineering time focused on business value and less running yeah. sort of the nut, nuts and bolts aspects of the routing tables and the like. And, and that, I think, is a net positive generally for how the type of return a business gets for its investment in the cloud. And you, you are you talking about uh, cloud solutions that are targeted at specific industry verticals? Is that what you're sort of referring to? I, I, I think, look, what we're seeing, I think, in the cloud space is a move to deepen out path and, and SaaS level offerings. Yeah. And, and, and inevitably, you know, that might be search as a service or it might be, you know, Kafka as a service. I think trend-wise over time, we're yeah. probably going to be, we're going to see some increasing specialization, like there might be um, AI or ML algorithms specifically tuned for e-commerce, for instance. Sure. That lowers the barrier to entry for people that want solutions that, you know, solve a need and, and maybe that need has some aspect of, uh, some specific aspect to it that's, that's yeah. industry appropriate, but you don't need to necessarily have, you know, um, six data scientists sitting there working with, TensorFlow to make that happen. Yep. Um, and, and I think inevitably what we're going to see is commoditization. We already see it as commoditization across cloud providers. And they need to move the innovation curve out so that they can maintain new products, greater margin, you know, uh, and greater investment and, and engagement from their customers in terms of usage. Sure. And I think to me that's going to be the defining aspect, this whole on-prem versus cloud, you know, from a pure Excel finance accounting spreadsheet that doesn't pipe in some of these intangible aspects around why you would be in the cloud and what capability can be brought to bear there. Yeah. You to, you're talking about, so you mentioned commoditization. I mean, yeah. what, what does that mean in, in the cloud industry today? Because the cloud industry, you know, started out as commoditization of computing. What does commoditization mean now in a industry founded on, on the concepts of commoditization? Well, I, I mean, you look at innovation 
as a as a series of concentric circles, right? So uh, to me, infrastructure as a service that was particularly innovative, you know, that was new to the market, and and yes, there were there were price competitive aspects to, to that. But Amazon was market leader. There were others to follow. That stabilized the mature as a product, right? right so right. compute now is largely if you need compute, well, it might as well be Google as well as Azure or, or Amazon, right? You you if you need disk and a compute presence, aha. Uh-huh. There's little to distinguish the different cloud providers at that level. So it's almost a homogenization of cloud as well. Yes, there's a homogenization. So when I talk about commoditization, I'm really talking about, well, there's a base level of capability that is now broadly equivalent across some of those providers, right? And price becomes more of a factor for those dimensions. But the other dimensions that surround that as the things in the ecosystem, such as the you know, the non-disk, non-CPU, non-network components, um, the, the PaaS and the SaaS components, where you go, all right, well, how rich is that environment? How much capability can I, I bring to bear to solve the product, yeah. um, the problems that I, I want? And then that's where, the, to me, the upsell and the capability and, and the distinguishing aspects of the providers start to come in. You know, in that case, you know, the different cloud providers have different strengths and different use cases, and I, I think that's where we're seeing some aspects of... You know, competitive differentiation between some of those offerings. Sure. Now, obviously, one of the biggest trends in cloud is hybrid. Um, yeah. And there's, you know, obviously various reasons why organisations, you know, seek to develop hybrid cloud mo- models. I mean, one of them is, um, you know, maintaining control and, and presumably there's sort of economic cost um, considerations built into that as well. Now, um, in, the, in recently, Amazon, Microsoft and Google have all announced different um, hybrid platforms have you had much thought about them and particularly had much thought about them with regard to to you know the economics of them the costs of them to me it's a logical play from the cloud providers i mean you look at the stats and you know on a on a gross industry basis the bulk of compute still on prem as much as there's a lot of fanfare around you know cloud providers and directionally i think that's where it's probably going to head there is still a lot of you know, traditional, mostly internal enterprise level applications that, for whatever reason, complexity, cost, sunk investment, um, are still very much bound to a traditional environment. And I think cloud providers have historically struggled to find ways to lever those workloads out and into, into the, you know, grow their business. So I think they're looking at, at hybrid clouds as, you know, reducing the friction and, and, you know, increasing Client obligations and, and governance aspects around control, um, and it makes sense to, to utilize hybrid style um, investment to sort of address some of those concerns and basically reduce the distance between um, what it takes to get an on-prem workload across into the cloud. And, and that can be under the guise of burst into the cloud. It might be under the guise of you know um, uh, being able to, to migrate enterprise workloads when, when when they're inevitably refreshed over time. Or even just providing reduced or simplified sort of management capabilities, simple pane of glass around how you, you manage on-prem workloads versus the cloud, and reducing, you know, providing some of the automation capability that, that uh, an API capability that's available in the cloud, and bringing that back in house. So I, I can see the use case for it. It, it makes sense to me. I, I guess, uh, like everything, does it live up to the hype and the promise? And inevitably, you know, the hype curve on these things needs to dissipate and, and we're left with, you know, a, a new capability that's probably not 
everything that was ever sold to be, but it's certainly an improvement and is part of the overall picture around um, you know, how enterprises get make better use of the cloud over time. Well, dissipate is a wonderful word to use in this conversation. I see what you did there. Damien, thanks so much. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us on the show and we look forward to working you back on again soon. No worries. Thank you for your time, David. Really appreciate being on. Thank you. Joining us now is Chris Ganley, who's a Senior Director Analyst in the CIO Research Group at Gartner. Chris, welcome to the show. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks for having me along. Now, Chris, do you think many organisations are confused, or many Australian organisations are confused about the real costs of the cloud? Oh, I think there's very little doubt about that. I think mm. a lot of organisations are confused. And, you know, and I think that that comes from a number of different aspects, a number of different an- angles of feeding yep. that. Yeah. You know, the, the, the complexity of what the cloud is and what it's made up of, what you can buy, how you can buy it, how you can pay for it, how you can consume it, you know, is it, quite awesome for a lot of organisations. And so, you know, whether it's driven by vendors or whether it's driven by organisations with this ferocious desire to consume, yeah, yeah I, think, I think a lot of organisations don't completely understand what they're spending and, and where they're spending. Yeah. And and even why they're spending. So that you know, there's, there's there's very little doubt about that, and that and, and that continues. And even even CIOs, I mean, that don't understand it. It's I mean, that's quite a statement, isn't oh, it? Look, yeah, I yeah. think so. I think yeah, I think I think so because you know, a lot of organisations are, are trying to deliver you know digital business. They're trying to transform. They're trying to deliver outcomes to the organisation. Yeah. And so they're trying to do that as agilely and as flex- flexibly as they can, and as cheaply. And yeah. And and as cheaply, right? Yeah. And that's not necessarily mm. being facilitated by the cloud, right? Yeah. And so organisations not quite understanding what they're consuming, how much they're consuming and what they're paying for it, yep. um, is an ongoing issue for organisations. And bear in mind, you know, bear in mind that the average IT budget is about 10 11% cloud these days. Yes. Um, you know, and that, that's going to be an ongoing and a growing issue for organisations. So getting a handle on what they're spending on, mm. how much they're consuming, what they're paying for it is really important. And then understanding, you know, and this goes to the, the, the whole crux of the question here, right? Understanding whether or not it's truly cheaper for them yes. is not done by all that many organisations, right? For whatever, for whatever reason that might be. Yeah. And, that's, and that's typically because organisations don't look at the total cost of this thing. Yep. They might look at the initial cost, they might look at the three-year cost, but they don't look at the total cost of a cloud offering versus an on-premise offering yep. over a, over a set period of time, you know, and that can be organisations having you know agendas around wanting to do one or the other, or or a vendor wanting to do one or the other, right? And so mm. th- this sits on on both sides, you know, CIOs not completely understanding what it's going to do, you know, wanting to be flexible, flexible and wanting to be agile, yep. but also trying to be cheaper, and and those two things don't necessarily meet. Mm. So there really, there really is um, the onus on on CIOs to, um, I suppose, not only spend more time and more effort in understanding what it is they're actually buying, but but also having um, the the requisite expertise, skills, certifications I, to do it. Absolutely, like I, I think that one of the big things we're going to see in coming year years is going to be a greater focus on organisations on cloud spend management, mm. and so. You know, a number of the the products that are out there yep. have reasonable what they call cost optimization type tools built into them, but not everybody uses those, right? right. Not everyone is looking to optimize their use yeah. 
a lot of people get hung up on on the price they're paying, but don't optimise their use. And so, from from my perspective, from our perspective at Gartner, mm. we, we think that organisations need to be doing two things. One is making sure they're using the right type of cloud yeah. and they're using the right amount of it. And second, that they're paying the best or the right price for them. Yeah. Not not getting locked in for periods of time on things that you know, and and not over consuming or, or allowing things to go to waste. And so. Yes, the whole the whole world of cloud spend management is going to become an increasingly important aspect for for organisations as they move forward, and that's going to require you know skills. That's going to require process, and in some cases, as we go you know multi cloud, hybrid cloud, all sorts of different environments, it's going to require for some organisations specialised tools to make sure they keep a handle on this as they go forward. Are you saying a lot, of, a lot of the cloud services have built-in cost optimization features that are not being used? It's almost reminiscent of, um, you know, organisations being um, castigated for not turning on built-in security features in different <laughs> technologies, right? I mean, that seems to be extraordinary that organisations would do that. I mean, is, is that, uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you will, you'll see it. Like, you'll see mm. organisations that, that, you know, mm. don't, don't use these types of things that are that are built in that, mm. that exist, and so you know as a as a starting point, as a basic point for organisations is you know why not make use of something that already exists, yeah. right? Make sure that you're monitoring it. You know these these tools can make suggestions and recommend about recommendations about what you turn off and turn turn on, how you operate, etc. So mm. just start with the basics, right? You know, mm. a bit of bit of walk before you run mm. and then get into some of the more complicated and a bit more of the advanced type tactics and techniques around around cloud spend management. But but they're really important. So yes, you know, make make use of these basic things as a starting point. Why not? You're getting them. Yeah. Well, look, the, the providers themselves, as we know, have, you know, come under criticism over the years, particularly more recently, um, for not being transparent enough around the cost and given everything that you've just said is that really warranted oh look i don't i i i, I don't necessarily know that's right mm. like the, the complexity of cloud makes it difficult right you know yeah. there's multiple ways you can consume there's multiple ways you can pay yeah. so it, it is a complex beast right when you talk about cloud because are we talking are we talking SaaS? Are we talking IaaS? Are we talking PaaS? You know, there's various different flavors here and, and different ways of consuming and paying for it. Yeah. So, you know, sure, the, the, the complexity is one part of it. The second part of it is is consuming in a in a thoughtful way and consuming in a way that makes sense for your organization. You know, have organizations thought about why they're making the shift to cloud? Because there's no doubt that it's happening, right? Cloud shift is a very real thing yep. and organizations are moving to cloud. But if organizations actually clearly thought about why they're doing it mm. or is it just a me too reaction yeah. or and and when they think about doing it have they thought about well which workloads or which processes or which things should we use cloud for yeah. as they move forward so back to as, as i was saying before have they clearly thought through the total cost of ownership type thing here or have they got a fixed cost which might be their on-premise infrastructure or their on-premise software but they've also gone to cloud-based so they've got a fixed cost and they've just added variable cost to it. And that's that's where this whole cloud cheaper, not cheaper thing becomes very difficult and becomes a, you know, quite a complex uh, situation for organisations to work their way through. And, and clearly thinking through 
what it's meant for that organisation, what it's meant for their cost base, yeah. what it's meant for their delivery, right? Because not everybody's going to the cloud for cost reasons, right? They're yeah. going there for agility, flexibility, yeah. et cetera. Scalability. Um, and, yeah. yeah, correct. And 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 whether it's cheaper or not, I, you know, I, I think the jury's out, right? And it mm. really comes down to what you're using, how you're using, what sort of workloads, and then what you've been able to do with your existing cost base yeah. at the same time. Now, on, on the subject of cloud brokers, th- this is an entity that I wasn't aware of the existence of until quite recently, but they do exist. And these are, these are organisations that presumably help um, businesses develop more you know, cost-effective cloud strategies or cost-effective cloud architectures. What are your thoughts on cloud brokers? Is this something that CIOs and organisations should consider in, in you know, creating more efficient um, you know, cloud systems? For uh, look, I think... I think anything you can deploy across your organisation to make sure that, you know, back to what I said before, make sure that you're using the right things and the right amount and you're paying the right price prices has its place for an organisation, right? You know, it's incumbent on the organisation to make sure that it's getting value for money, that it's getting the best result that it can sure. for what it's spending and how it's playing about. So if they use brokers or they, they have internal capability inside their, you know, procurement or vendor management, or you know, even inside their INO type team to, to manage these things, I, I think it's incumbent on CIOs to be to be making sure that they're managing their spend. And, and and as I've said, I think cloud spend management is going to become one of those increasingly important areas yeah. for a lot of organisations. During this um, COVID period, of course, the clouds, you know, been a, been an, an essential tool for for many many organisations. Do you anticipate that with this sort of greater uptake of, of cloud, greater demand, consumption of cloud computing, that maybe prices are going to increase in the near future? Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't comment on the prices. So mm. that's that, that's a bit beyond me. But what <laughs> what 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 I think has happened is well, not, I know from a number of clients of our of ours that I've spoken to that the consumption has increased. There's no doubt. Well, it's but increased in off a the lot charts, of cases, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and and. Necessity has forced that, right? Yeah. What what I think is beginning to happen is a number of organisations now trying to figure out what their new normal is going to be, what their new processes are going to be, yeah. and what that looks like going forward, right? And then trying to manage that and and try to deal with that as as they move forward, you know. And I think what's what's happened is that a lot of organisations have yes had to do things by necessity. The question now becomes how do they optimise that? And how do they try to make that as a more steady, manageable, ongoing run rate of their spend? Mm. You know, as, as I talked about before, you know, if they've moved workloads or if they've moved things to cloud, mm. what can they do about their existing online, on, on-site costs or their on-premises costs? Yeah. How do they exit those or how do they manage those downwards? Yeah, indeed. Interesting times ahead. Chris, thanks so much for joining us. Not a problem. Thanks for your time today. Cheers, mate. With us now is Rowan Penman, who's the CIO with bespoke tea company T2T. Rowan, welcome to the CIO show, or rather, welcome back to the CIO show. Hello, David. Great to be here. Now, mate, have you had many experiences yourself of um, what we a term that we used earlier in the program, enterprise IT bill shock with regard to the cloud? Um, I've had a few small personal examples, but I have heard of um, some close close friends that have uh, had up to eight times their bill come through. You're kidding, that's um, eight times? Wow, not double, eight. No, no, they, um, there's some very simple configuration mistakes you can make in the cloud. 
uh-huh. um, and they can cost you quite a lot of money. Right. And this was the this was the fault of the um, of the CIO administrator, in, in, presumably in this instance, rather than the rather than the supplier or the vendor. It was actually the uh, database architect um, dedicating resources in the cloud um, and not quite understanding the ramifications of doing so. So what do you do to prevent, you know, that kind of scenario in your own, on your own watch? Well, you have to be as open as you can with your team. Yeah. Uh, take into account that anything that goes into the cloud should be classed as a change. Yeah. And uh, changes should be discussed um, amongst everyone to ensure that the whole team are aware of them. And then hopefully when, when these changes do occur, someone can highlight that, oh, no, you're doing the, the right choice, the wrong choice. Could you assess that choice? How, how is your sort of thinking around you know, the, the economics of the cloud changed you know, as the CIO of, of T2T, particularly with all of these, you know, transitions that you've had to manage through COVID? Well, personally, I still think it's a horses for courses scenario. Mm. I do I do still have a preference for hybrid environments uh, so that you can control costs up and down and then sometimes attempt to reduce costs by being able to internalise uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, systems on CapEx hardware. Mm. Mm. Have you... Have you looked into these recent products? I mean, I know that we mentioned also earlier in the show that, that Amazon, Azure and Google have all announced hybrid solutions in the last sort of, you know, recent recent months, I believe. Have you looked into that yourself much and have any thoughts about it in terms of particularly in terms of financial modelling for, for cloud services with, with your organisation? Yeah, we, we use both AWS and uh, Azure platforms mm. um, and both those in particular Azure interest me. The AWS solution is what we, we run a major application on that and it will will help us from a security and um, network integration point of view yeah. but the, the Azure solution does interest me because it will allow you to shift um, workloads back and forth and a few other very smart things like that. Sure. So tell me a little bit more about your, you know, this this hybrid environment. And you, you mentioned, you know, obviously it's important for control, but you know, is is hybrid cloud also, you know, economically more, you know, sensible for you? The the hybrid environment, to to some extent, it is as simple as having physical hardware still on your premises or a colo. Um, I I do like that control because if you do need to spin up a test environment or something that may have a lot of data in particular. There can be issues moving that large amount of information back and forth quickly. Sure. Um, it, it also depends, again, on your industry. Uh, with, with retail, it's not quite as dangerous to worry about um, certain information and where it lives. But if you're a very, very security-focused business, you, you may not want to have any certain types of data in the cloud. Now, also, one of the, um, I suppose, hidden costs that people have highlighted around uh, cloud computing is actually having, you know, people with the, the necessary skills, expertise and understanding to use cloud properly. And I suppose to your earlier example of where you're um, – you know, one of your peers had that unfortunate incident of a, a Zoo bill being eight times what that expected it to be. 
I mean, is that is that something that you also see as a, a cost and, and presumably a necessary cost in having people trained or, or hiring the right people that, you know, can ensure that the cloud services are used properly and used economically? Oh, I would definitely agree with that. I've, I've sent my infrastructure manager on Azure courses to ensure that they know how to control costs and yeah. keep an eye on things. It is it is so simple to spin up things in the cloud and start cheap yeah. and then over time that OPEX will easily grow if it's not either looked at or assessed. And when you, and when you waved him goodbye or offered his way to the course, did you um, share with him that anecdote you just shared with us about your friend and, and the Azure bill? <laughs> yes, funnily enough, we uh, <laughs> both knew that story as he headed off to his training course. Yes, <laughs> you did. All right, and when and when he came back, did he impart some? Did he impart a few things to you that perhaps you didn't know, particularly around you know managing the costs? Well, yes, because some of it's actually quite simple. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of alerts, a lot of warnings that you can include, uh, just to ensure that you're always somewhat in the loop, yeah, um, yeah. let alone the best practice that if you're using servers that you don't need on, you should be setting up scripts to turn things off yeah. or have them on a schedule that, you know, makes sense for your business. They don't need to be on a week on, on a weekend or whatever else that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. When we spoke to um, to Gartner's Chris, Chris Garley, he, he mentioned that as well, that there's, there's quite a lot of um, tools that are inbuilt into the major um, cloud platforms in order to, you know, um, manage costs more closely. Yet, one would it, it would appear that a lot of organisations, a lot of CIOs, are not actually aware of them. Were you always aware of them yourself, or was it a bit of a, a, a journey of discovery for you as well? Um, no, I think I've pretty much always been aware of them. Uh, it's it's probably that the third parties haven't necessarily pushed them proactively historically. Right. Um, it's one of those. What do you mean by the third parties? You mean. Oh, such as Microsoft or AWS. Oh, oh the actual providers. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the providers, so, there, so there, is yeah. A, there is an issue of transparency there then, perhaps. I think there was in the early days because early on they were happy to make money, yeah. but now I think they know they don't want to give people bill shock and have people shopping around. And getting onto podcasts they, like this and complaining about it, presumably. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the tools that are now provided or have been provided for quite a while, I think are there mm. to help you to optimise your environment yeah. and keep you as a happy customer longer term. Yeah, sure. Rowan, thanks again for joining us on the show and we um, wish you all the best with um, with TTT for between now and the, and the rest of the year. I imagine you might be anticipating a bit of a Christmas rush and, and, and hopefully that's the case and um, we look forward to welcoming you back on the show again soon. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed it. Coming up next on the CIO show, we get into a topic I think we all find interesting, IT salaries. We look at the latest figures on who's earning what and what specialisations, in which industry verticals. How does this compare with a year ago, as well as with pay in other professions? Also, how much money are women earning in tech these days? And of course, we discuss the impact COVID-19 is having on wages in the IT labour market generally. We hope you can join us.